the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So I've got a bunch of papers here today uh, in honor of Father Jack Sparks. When he taught, he would have like 20 pages, and they'd fall on the floor, and he would sort them out. So I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to channel Father Jack this morning. But I wanted to say something first about the uh, celebration of the Holy Fathers of the First Ecumenical Council in 325. In the 1970s, we were a struggling church community. We were theologically confused and spiritually wounded. Father Richard, Father Jack, Father Peter, Father Gordon, and um, Father John decided to get together. And when they came together, they said, we need to go back and find out what the church has always taught. And they ended up studying the Nicene Creed and these church fathers that we celebrate today. And I would say more, they came to get us, we didn't go to them. They came to get us and to stabilize us. So we have found, thanks be to God, a stable theology, a strong spiritual life, and life in a stable, one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. Thanks be to God. And those fathers that established the faith and those that carried it through. So I just want to make sure we celebrate that every time we come to this this moment, because it's very important, I think, to all of us. So today we are... uh, moving from Ascension to Pentecost. But these 40 days that we celebrate from the Lord's resurrection to Ascension change the direction of mankind, which is under the tyranny of the evil one. We now have power over this evil because of Christ's death, resurrection, and Ascension, and the potential to become like Christ, to dwell with him, the Father and the Holy Spirit, with all the saints and all those that have gone before us in heaven. That was not possible before these 40 days. These 40 days just changed the complete direction of all creation. To be redeemed, to be made heavenly. So we we celebrate these 40 days uh, and anticipate the coming of the Holy Spirit. So we'll begin with the epistle and move a little bit to the gospel today. In the epistle, St. Paul says, Fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. We hear this as a warning. But we have a help in the church, an advocate in Christ, and the power of the Spirit with us. But St. Paul says, Because there will be fierce wolves coming among you, You need to watch and be careful. That better be the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Just ask and find out if it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. That's all we need, just a little spirit in the room. That's good. (laughs) So these fierce wolves come speaking perverse things, St. Paul says with a pretense of enlightening us, 
but they bring only confusion and division. And it's a clear indication because there's confusion and division, they are not from God. God does not bring division and confusion. He brings peace and unity and love. So we have to understand that we have to be watchful of this. St. John Chrysostom also says in the prayers before communion, declares a similar tone when he says, when we distance ourselves from the church, from, especially from Holy Communion, we can become the prey of the invisible wolf. So we have an enemy, beloved. An enemy, but we have a great bulwark in the church, a sure intercessor in Christ, an undefeatable helper in the Holy Spirit. So let's begin with our protection in the Holy Church. I want to read this quote from St. John Chrysostom about the church. Just as a calm and sheltered harbor provokes great security to the ships moored there, so does the temple of God. When people enter it, it snatches them away from worldly affairs as from a storm and gives them the capacity to stand and listen to God's word in calm and security. This place is the bedrock of virtue, the school of spiritual life. You need only set foot on the threshold of a church and once you're liberated from the cares of life, go into the church and awe will envelop you, stillness will cover you, and teach you how to live spiritually. It elevates your thoughts and prevents you from remembering things and matters that belong to this present life. It transports you from earth to heaven. If there's such a great gain from simply being in church when no service is going on, then how much more will people derive from being present when the holy apostles proclaim the gospel, Christ stands in our midst, and God the Father receives the mysteries that are performed, and the Holy Spirit gives us his joy. So, beloved, these words of St. John, I think, should encourage us. The church to us is a calm shelter, a liberation from the cares of life. You know, we're full of distractions. Life is just full of them. You, you, you walk in here with them. You, our, our thoughts are distracted. We, we just find this distraction. The church is a place where we can stop the distractions, and come and be calm and quiet in the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and of all the saints. It's the place you need to come. Uh, I remember Father Richard, blessed memory. I came in one day, and uh, he was sitting all by himself. And uh, I was there early, and he said, uh, I said, what are you doing here? <laughs> he said, this is the only place where life makes sense. We stop. We touch heaven. We touch God. We touch the saints. We say, okay, I get it now. This world's difficult, but the potential for us in the heavenly places is powerful. So be encouraged. St. John calls the church the bedrock of virtue in the school of the spiritual life. We learn to pray. We learn to fast. We learn to give alms. We learn to help each other. In our lives, our souls are lifted because of this. The church elevates our thoughts. 
overwhelmed by thoughts. And I know what Father Richard was saying. All you need to do sometimes is just come in and look at the icons at home. Go to your altar, light the candle, and just stop. And stop. Remember, there's a great story of a lady who came to um, um, the bishop um, and uh, the spiritual father, and she said to him, Father, I've lost my prayer. I, I've lost my prayer. I just start praying. I feel nothing. And he says, well, I'll give you some advice. Go, go to your altar and just light. And they said this, what do you like to do? She says, I like to drink tea. She says, well, pour a pot of tea and light the candle at your altar and just sit there. And uh, she came back a month later and she said, well, how are you doing? She says, he said, she said, the silence was deafening. I found my prayer. I found God. In silence, just in quietness. The church encourages us so much just to be quiet. Helps us, lifts us. Transports us from earth to heaven. There's a great prayer to the mother of God. Raise me above this world's confusion. We need to be lifted above it. It exists and we pray for it and we desire it to be changed. Yes, we don't neglect that piece. But we need to understand that there is a greater reality that exists. We live in this lesser reality. There's a greater reality that we can touch and it can lift us above the cares of life. So, let us give thanks to his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And we have, in the gospel we hear that Christ is a sure intercessor for us. Uh, St. Paul says this in the epistle, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. We have one God and one mediator, St. Paul continues, between God and man. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for us. He's always making intercession for us. These are the, the, the words of the Lord himself. I pray for them. And I am glorified in them. Father, keep them through, through you. Keep them in your grace and give, and give the, that you've given to me. That they may be one as we are one. That they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. St. Gregory Nazianzus makes comments on this. He says, he, pleases, he's, he pleads for our salvation even now. You know what Christ is doing right now? In you, he's pleading for your salvation. That never stops. There's a line in prayer that says, pray, teach me to pray, pray you yourself in me. We touch God and we feel his pleading for us. Pleading that we would follow his commandments, that we do his will. So this, this prayer, internal prayer of Christ is very important to us. So we, we are grateful for his presence in us, but more just not on his presence, but his desire for us to be saved. St. Gregory goes on about this uh, gospel. 
how beautiful, how mystical, and how kind Christ is. How beautiful. How beautiful is divine prayer, where it just allows you to ascend. How mystical is touching the heavenly realities. How kind is God, for he is merciful, loving, and forgiving. What he suffered as man, he as the word and counselor persuades him to be patient. One of the Christ's petitions to the Father is, Lord, be patient with them. Be patient with them. You need to be, does God need to be patient to you, for you, with you? Yes. We struggle, and the Lord understands the struggle, and he prays that we would move forward, but with a patient spirit, he pleads to God for that. So be encouraged, beloved. You have an intercessor in Christ. You have a church as your bedrock, an intercessor that stands with you, prays for you, in you, and teaches you to live according to his commandments. And then finally, and we are anticipating the seat being sealed in the Holy Spirit. In Romans 6, we hear these words. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groans that cannot be offered. So I want to make a couple of uh, comments on the grace of the Spirit that helps us, not just the church, not this Christ, but the Spirit. St. Nikolai says this, the Spirit remains with us not by force, but, to, but by our good will. We choose Him. We have to keep choosing Him. Spirit, come to me. Help me, Holy Spirit. Be with me, Spirit. Help me. Guide me. If we do not desire it, the Spirit doesn't interact with us. But we have to desire this. He's grieved by our sins, but not, does not abandon us. He stands by us and raises, up, raises us if we are desire to be raised. So I want to, this is really an important piece for us. When we're struggling and finding ourselves in difficult spots and struggling with even a, a sin we know we shouldn't be doing, what's the Spirit do? He stands next to you and waits. Stand next to you, and he waits for you to say, I'm done, and then he begins to be a help again. This is a very powerful understanding of the Spirit. No desertion. He just stands next to you. If you don't want him to dwell in you, he'll stand next to you, but never deserts you. It's very powerful. So when we have this guest in our hearts, the Holy Spirit, we must endeavor to do everything to please him, to love God, to love neighbor, to keep the commandments. The Spirit rejoices in us, St. Gregory says, and we tremble with inexpressible joy. Have you ever trembled with inexpressible joy? <laughs> I think maybe. I don't know if it was the trembling of the Spirit or just a little nervous or whatever it was. Tremble with inexpressible joy. That's the Spirit. 
And then he says, oh, what happiness, oh, what peace, oh, what joy, when the Spirit nestles in the cleansed heart of a man as a sparrow, sparrow is in its nest. As the sparrow is nested, so does the Holy Spirit nest in you. Then our hope opens all these doors of joy to us when we are in this place with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills us with power from on high, brings with him inexpressible joy, happiness, and peace and hope. And so, beloved, yes, we have an enemy, but we have great defense in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We have an advocate in Christ who prays in us and with us and for us. We have a great helper in the Holy Spirit. Even when we move a little bit away, he always stands next to us, waiting for us to return. So let us rejoice today that God has given us so much grace to live this holy holy life. So help us, save us, have mercy on us. Keep us, O God, by thy grace. Amen.